Hello, I'm Mark Tucker. Hey there, I'm Alan Furstenberg. We are Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Hey, Alan, it's that time of year again. It is that time of year again, unfortunately. And, and unfortunately, once again, this is a virtual background um, where I am virtually at uh, Google I.O. in Mountain View, California at the Shoreline Amphitheater, except I'm not there. But <laughs> there were people there this year, at least. Yeah, that's progress. And, and maybe next year. Maybe next year. We'll, we'll see if they invite me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, you know, the, the interesting thing about Google I.O. every year is that we get to see kind of, you know, the big picture of the big things that Google is thinking about and working on and talk to developer, the, the developer engineers and the, the developer relations people and kind of find out what's going on in the, all the different program areas. And uh, so, so this is an opportunity to find out, you know, kind of the big picture about what's going on with, uh, with the Google Assistant and how it fits into a bunch of other things that Google is working on. Yeah, all, so the way down, all the way down to some nitty gritty about, you know, specific new features. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm interested. I, I really had planned on uh, watching the, the last two days here, but just been really busy. So caught in a few, I, I caught a few things on, on Twitter and, and a, sh a few short videos. So I, I'm sure there's lots that I missed, but I'm I'm excited to talk about it and kind of see uh, what your perspective uh, is on it and and kind of what we can figure out as we discuss this. Yeah, sure. So I think the the big first things to think about. Let's kind of I, I kind of think about it in three kind of chunks. The first okay. is what Google is doing, what their research is, and the kind of blue sky stuff that Google as a whole is working on. All right. That's you can see where it ties into to a voice and the assistant, but it's not specifically developer related. Um, kind of where the Google Assistant itself is going, mm -hmm. you know, what, what the you know, Google Home Hubs are doing or the Nest Hubs are doing and, you know, where all of that fits in. And, you know, there's some overlap to developers and then very solidly, but what's new for developers? What are, what are the good stuff? What, what can we, uh, what tools and kind of things can we play with and right. figure out and incorporate into our own projects? Right. So I kind of divide into those three chunks, if you think about okay. it. Um, and the, 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 Google, the Google, the Blue Sky, the research stuff, there was some pretty cool stuff there that they were showing off. So for example, one of the things we talk about a lot is assistants really aren't very good unless they have context. Yeah. So they kind of said, we're working on this problem. This is, you know, something that we are dealing with, with what they call multi-search and near me. And, you know, and this allows things like being able to, to kind of say, you know, uh, pan a camera around and ask specific questions about what's going on in your environment or, you know, making some searches and, and piecing them together with what's going on in your environment and where you're located and your questions. So, so kind of putting a bunch of contextual stuff together. So geospatial and, and, and uh, with time? It's, well, if you think about it, Google's done a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of smaller pieces of this. So for example, they've got Google Lens where it lets you take a picture of something okay. and say, what is this? What they're kind of now doing is expanding that to saying, taking the picture and factoring in things like time and your geolocation where you are 
and what they can identify in the photo and a question that you may be asking. So for example, one of the examples they gave, for example, is if you're you know, holding a camera up to a wall in a candy shop and saying, which of these have nuts? And it can identify from various things that it can put together, which of those have nuts and it can identify that to you. Huh. So it's, it's kind of taking searches we're used to it one step further or two steps further. All right. So and, and combining all this data together. Okay. Um, so that's something that, you know, is pretty cool uh, in terms of something that, you know, and, and one of the things that I thought was interesting that they demonstrated that with was it was spoken text. It wasn't, they weren't expecting people to type in these queries. It was hold up a camera and ask a question verbally. Okay. Um, and kind of related to that ask a question verbally part is that there now have speech models that are better at hand handling disfluences. So, you know, asking questions of Google, like what was that? Um, and just kind of hesitating there and trying to figure out what they are. Google can now respond saying, kind of nudging you along saying, you know, hmm. And yeah. then, you know, as you say, that rock band, uh, Joan and the, you know, kind of hesitating there. And based on insufficient data and recognizing where you're pausing and, and how you're doing it, it can now more rapidly come up with answers. All right. Is the answer Joan Jett and the Black Hearts? That was the one that I came up with, yes. But that was right. my example. Um, <laughs> And then again, building on speech models like that, we saw that last year they introduced a, an AI model called Lambda or LaMDA, which was really good about extended conversations and questions. Okay. They've extended that. You know, they've this year's model is called Lambda 2. Real exciting. Creative. Yeah. But one of the things they're doing is kind of letting people play with it. So last year they had this model, nobody could touch it. This year they're introducing something called the AI test kitchen. And this lets you use Lambda 2 in a couple of different scenarios and you can play with and see what it generates for you and how well it does so. And then provide Google feedback on how well it does. So you could you know, say things like, um, generate a list of how I go car shopping and it will give you a, you know, item by item list of what you need to do. And then maybe you can say, expand on that point a little bit more and it will expand on the point. And again, oh. none of this is there. There are no pre-programmed answers. This is all generated kind of the same way that we see something like GPT three generating yeah. responses based on prompts. Interesting. I think the, the, the big difference between this and GPT-3, for example, is that GPT-3 gives an API that you can that developers can use to build these sorts of things. And Google is doing this all for themselves. So I think that's a major difference between the two. Yeah. And I that's kind of, I think, a theme that you're going to see a couple more times in in what came out of IO is- We're doing some really cool stuff that's gonna help Google. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
and and you know and i guess some of that actually is seen with when when they talk about ambient computing again hmm. you know so they talked about they've got new ambient computing devices coming out including a pixel watch which everyone is thrilled about and new extensions for wear os and we'll talk a little bit more about wear os in a little bit um, and new pixel buds pro and all of these are great but these are all very much you know, we'll be offering the Google Assistant on these devices on our terms. Yeah. So cool stuff that's actually going to be viable, but where, where do we fit in as developers? And yeah. there are some answers, but not a lot of answers. Are they talking about any, any dates, like availability of the watch or the um, Buds Pro or any of that stuff? I believe both of them, I, I want to say, were both of those the ones available in June? They were either in June or later this year. Okay. But I'm pretty sure they were June or July. Yeah, they also had some announcements about new Pixel phone hardware, which is going to be out earlier than later. Um, more Pixel hardware, which is going to be out later this year. And even a new Pixel tablet, which will be out next year. Hmm. Okay. That's, you know, not sure why they announced that at all at this point, but okay. Was there a Pixel tablet before or is this their first Pixel branded tablet? There has never been a Pixel tablet before. However, some people may remember that before the Pixel line, Google used to have a line of devices called the Nexus line. Hmm. So they had a bunch of Nexus phones um, and some Nexus tablets which were big deals at the time because that was, you know, their latest attempt to introduce tablet size form factors. Anyway. um, So, you know, that was a little bit more concrete. And then they had their, their real blue sky. Here's our vision for the future. And that was where they showed their, their early prototype augmented reality glasses. Which Google Glass twenty twenty two? Yeah, we let's put it. They 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 didn't say too much about them. Yeah, mostly were they were mostly just proving that they were working on something. That it was in an early prototype stage, and they demonstrated it by doing translations, real time subtitling. So yeah, I, that that was one of the videos that I did watch was. That. And I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. So they're doing um, you know, speech recognition in glasses and projecting the translation on the lenses. We don't know. Oh. We don't know if they're doing speech. We, we don't know anything about this device. So they could be doing speech recognition on a phone and using this as a display. It could be part of the glasses. It could be the only feature in the glasses. There could be more to these things. We just don't know right now. We don't know. Ah. So right. it was cool. It's a nice blue sky thing, but, you know, um, I can't compare them to Google Glass yet because we don't know anything. Don't know enough information. So that was that was kind of all the, the big Google general research yep. blue sky announcements, which was decent, you know, and... To be clear, there were a bunch of other announcements as well. I'm mostly focusing on the stuff that seems more in line with uh, with voice and assistant type stuff. 
All right, that makes sense. But speaking of the assistant, they actually did have some very, very specific uh, announcements about assistant and Nest Hub Max hardware. So okay. there are two major features that are going to be coming to the Next Hub Max. I think they're beginning to roll out now, even. Um, the first is what they call look and talk, which mm -hmm. is basically being able to invoke it without a wake word just by looking at it and asking what you want. So you'll be able to look at a, a Nest Hub Max and ask a question or make a statement or any of the other phrases that you would currently have, except you don't have to say, hey, Google. Okay. So any of the actions that you can execute, any of the 1P, any of the 3P? Right. Any 1P, any 3P, anything you would normally, you know, any, any general queries, anything you would normally say, you could say to it just without the wake word. Just looking at it would be the wake part. Okay. Related to that is something that they're calling quick phrases, which again will be on the, the Nest Hub Max only. And here you don't have to look at them, but these are phrases that you can just say and it will answer. So you could just say, what time is it? And it will answer. So you don't have to look at it as long as you can hear it and say right. what time it is, but only on the, on the display only Hub on, Max. Only on the Nest Hub Max. One thing that they've said is that all of the processing is going to be handled on device for both for both look and talk and for quick phrases. So we're kind of guessing that then the, the Max is the only one that has enough computing power to pull that off. Okay. So in the same way that wake words are only handled locally on the device, these phrases are just going to be handled locally on the device. Right. At least the triggering part of it will be. The list of uh, quick phrases is kind of limited though at this point. So it's things like time, setting and canceling timers and alarms, controlling lights, and asking for the weather. And that's, that's okay. about it. But that covers what? 90% of what people do. Yeah, a big, a big chunk of, of standard use cases. Yeah. yeah. So okay. that makes sense. But I mean, one of my concerns is, okay, that's nice. But does that mean the third-party actions are going to get slighted because people aren't going to want to say, hey, Google anymore? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of like it's undoing a pattern on one device that you would have to follow on a different device yeah. that's in the unsupported list. Hmm. So I'm, I have mixed feelings about this. Okay. I mean, Cool features, yeah. but I've got, I've, I have mixed feelings about where they're going with it. Um, some other kind of, they weren't in the main keynotes, but did appear in some of the other sessions was that their current branding of works with, it used to be works with the Google Assistant and then works with Hey Google. And this used to be for devices that would work um, in Google's ecosystem. They're changing that logo program. So now it is works with Google Home. Same kind of thing, just new branding. And again, that's branding on the uh, home automation side to kind of move away from saying, you've got to stick with the Google Assistant. You've now got 
other controls that you can use besides the assistant itself. Now that, that logo wouldn't be used on like advertising for third-party actions, would it? Just... It's not used on third-party actions. It's used on uh, home automation devices. So okay, so was, it's a hardware. Yeah, this was a hardware branding. Although I think you could also use it on the, uh, the app that was tied to that hardware. Oh, okay. That makes but, sense. You know, it wasn't it wasn't meant for actions. Relatedly, though, and this I thought was really interesting, was we've heard of this big push for the the Matter Protocol. You know, yes. all all the big companies are pushing for it. Amazon's pushing it. Yeah, that was a big Apple. announcement last time. Yeah, yep. for Amazon. Uh, Apple's on board. So this is a huge industry standard that's going to be released later this year. All right, and there's some some dev stuff related to that as well. But one of the non-dev notes is that Matter relies on a hub device in the house, a local hub controller, basically. Okay. And one of the announcements is that all current assistant devices, so that's everything from the original Google Home device all the way up through the most recent Nest Hub 2, and including all of the Nest Minis, hmm. all of them can serve as a Matter Hub. So if you already have a Nest Home device, it will be a Matter Hub on day one. That's pretty cool. That's a huge... That is pretty cool. That, that basically means that you don't need to get any new hardware. To so switch what, over to, to Matter support. So what you're saying is that any company that matters is going to be using Matter and any Google device will matter. All, matter. All, all, all of the, specifically, it's all of the Nest devices matter. And, and I think the phrasing is carefully chosen because you're phone should not be a hub i'm not sure if it can be yeah but in general you don't want it to be a hub because it's not sitting around your home the whole time yeah it's not stationary right so it's interesting stuff that's coming with the assistant itself yeah uh and then there's you know what's what's new for developers all right this is this is the the part where we get excited about particularly because we get to play with it. Sure, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> so, so the first is again related to uh, hardware and that's that the Matter Developer Center for Google is now available. So this is where they're publishing documentation on how to make apps that work with Matter. Basically how to start putting stuff together with matter interesting all right so so that's the apps that need to run on a phone that can control it or that helps set it up to protocols that you need to support on the hardware to the libraries that you can use on the hardware all of that is starting to be available at google's matter developer center mm -hmm. and coming in june the console will be available for device manufacturers to start deploying matter compatible deployments. 
Interesting. And this lets them do over the air updates. It lets them do initial releases and certification and, you know, all of, all of the stuff. All right. That's so necessary. that's, yeah, that's an important step to, to get to that point where. Yep. So can you give like the very high level, what does, what, what problem does matter solve um, for, for the user and maybe even maybe from a developer perspective? That's a really good question, actually. Um, the, the high level issue for a user certainly has been that we've had a bunch of different communication protocols that the smart home devices have used. And some of them are IP based that require a central server you know, that's owned by the company. So if the server gets shut down, well, all of your devices no longer work. Okay. Um, Whereas others require you to, to get a local hub and there's a local transmission protocol. And there's also issues like, well, if I'm setting up a new device, I now need to download a new app and register with a new company just to set up a device that I've never, you know, for, the, for this manufacturer. And if I get one for a different manufacturer, I now need to load that manufacturer's app and set up their device and set up an account with them. And, you know, so it really meant that if I was trying to find the best of what I wanted something for, I tended not to do that because I tended to lean towards vendor lock-in. Okay. And then making sure that those vendors could work with controllers like Apple, Amazon, and Google. What Matter does is it basically says, here is how devices communicate with each other. And here is how they get set up onto a home network. Here is how they get registered. And here is how we can control them. So it removes the necessity of a vendor's central server and mm -hmm. moves that onto, into the home. Okay. So the home now is the, the central server for all of your home's devices. And how do we communicate with that? How do we set up a mesh network so that every part of the house can access the hub? What's the low-level protocol? What are middle-level protocols? All of these issues are addressed as part of the matter spec. Okay. And I could not go into more detail because I don't know it, to be perfectly honest. Yep. Well, we're all you know in the same boats. It's something yeah. new. We're gonna, uh, if we're interested, or if we if that is um, an area where we feel like what we're doing is going to touch, then that's a good opportunity to learn something new. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be, it's it is exciting. You know, from a from a user, I am thrilled because it means I don't have to worry about, you know, getting some hardware, and it being junk in six months. So the other interesting announcements um, had to do with app actions for, for Google Assistant and Android. And um, you had talked about this with Elisa yeah. uh, a few months back. Um, but they've added some, some new features to them. So for example, uh, they now have what they call brandless queries. Hmm. So previously for, for some queries, you needed to say something like um, 
start a run with Strava. Now you can just say, start a run. And if Strava is the only app that you have installed, then you don't need to say which one you're using. Oh, I see. Which, okay, that makes sense. Uh, similarly, and kind of the flip side of that is that they now have what they call app install suggestions. So if you say start a run with Strava and Strava is not installed, it will open up the Google Play Store page to let people install Strava. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. They're, they're, they're reasonable uh, additions. One of the things that, I, that, that took me a while to kind of understand where, where this one was going is what they refer to as smarter custom intent phrase handling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and it took me a while to understand what this meant because we've had this now for a while on the conversational action side. And it didn't occur to me that this wasn't already in place. So let, let's take a look at what app actions are for a moment, remember. They are uh, things that you can say to the assistant on a smartphone, specifically on an Android device, that it will use to either launch an app or trigger a widget inside an app that can be shown inside the conversation. So it's, it's one of those two things. Either it's a, a shortcut way to, to launch an app and go directly into something, or it's a way to kind of start the app but not quite start the app and get a widget back. Okay. Google really likes to tie these to what they call built-in intents. And these are phrases that they've already come up with. So things like start a run or start a workout. Yeah. These are phrases that they've already come up with and have already come up with various alternatives for already. So these are, these are intents that we're used to, just that they've come up with them already. It's a possibility that you have an idea for a phrase that you want that doesn't match one of the built-in intents. So you can have a custom intent. We're used to custom intents on the conversation side all the time. Yeah. And when we write those custom intents, we usually give, you know, 10 or 15 or so sample phrases. And then the machine learning system can handle, if you say, some slight variants on those. Yeah. So that's kind of what custom intent phrase handling is, is you still need to give it a few phrases. But if you, you know, if the user uses another phrase that is similar, or has synonyms in it, or other things like that, Google's AI will figure out that it's actually a match. Okay. And, and again, that's what we're used to with, the, you know, if you, in things like, you know, modern Alexa and dialogue flow. But if you remember the early days of Alexa, you needed to put in exact phrase matches for those intents. You couldn't, you know, let it figure alternatives out. You had to put in exactly what it would say. So people would put in huge lists yeah. of alternatives. You don't need to do that as much anymore. The, the machine learning has gotten smarter and now it's gotten smarter on the app action side as well. 
Okay. All right. That makes sense. And then finally, kind of related to what we talked about earlier, that they've got releases for Wear OS and the new Pixel Watch and this push towards ambient computing, they're now also making app actions available for Wear OS and the the two auto platforms that Android has, uh, Android Auto and the Android Automotive platform. Okay. So these will let you do some additional direct assistant control with them. So in Wear OS, for example, you'll be able to trigger any of the the fitness built-in intents to invoke a Wear OS app, like start a run, which again, that's a pretty common thing you want to do on a smartwatch. Um, And on the auto side, there are certain driving built-in intents, like where's a charging station or where's parking? Yeah. So those are going to be available again to invoke uh, Android auto apps. And Android auto apps are kind of different because they're very limited in what they're allowed to do and what their screens are allowed to do. And and who can use them, right? It's, it's, it's really a different... Who can build for... Yeah. Yeah. But they're also allowing for the assistant widget support. So... Android Auto does have an assistant built into it, and you're going to be able to trigger other Android apps that are running on Android Auto and can provide a widget response. So the example that they were giving were things like, what's the status of my order? If you were ordering something takeout and you wanted to know when it was going to be delivered and you were out driving, it could tell you when it was going to be ready. Okay. And it would do that because you've got an app, the app is installed and the app can provide a widget. And now widgets are going to be able to be surfaced as part of Android Auto. So those are the the big additions that are coming to the assistant. So what I didn't hear though, was any developer announcements for custom Google Actions. That's right, you didn't. <laughs> okay. Um, Which is the realm where you and I do, right. do so our, you know, spend there, our time. So there was nothing new announced for what they referred to as conversational actions. Um, and that's all I know about it. <laughs> Honestly, that's all I know about it. That I, is all. All right. There, well, there, were, there were no announcements. There's nothing that's been shared with me. All right. Well, that kind of says something, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it's just a different venue that they will, will talk about those. Well, or it could mean that, you know, if, if they have something prepared it's or in progress, it's just not ready. Yeah. But, right. you know, I, I do think it says something that we do, you know, they, they are uh, expanding things like quick phrases on a Nest Hub Max. Yeah. And yet there's no new developer messaging for the Next Hub Max. Yeah. You know, there's this dichotomy between stuff that's coming out for app actions, which is Android only, and that there does seem to be some work happening on other devices. 
So I don't know. I don't have I don't have yeah. strong answers. It's also kind of telling to me that a lot of the app action stuff that's coming out is very visual based. So it's it's very much meant to uh, put you into an app or to show you back a widget. Now that widget can have text to speech with it. Yeah. But the widget itself is still visual. At the same time that they're introducing Pixel Buds Pro, which is an ambient computing device without a display. So there are yeah. there are a lot of strange gaps throughout the product line that are somewhat confusing. All right. Well, but we'll try not to here. yeah, we'll try not to, to uh, speculate on that and uh there's plenty to think about on that, that was that was announced at Google I.O. Yeah, there's there's interesting stuff and it'll be fun to see where it goes. And uh, I'd say, you know, I'd certainly love to hear what other people think about the announcements yeah. that were made and where that fits in to, uh, you know, to what what we're planning on working on and where we see voice going in general. So we encourage your feedback. Reach out to us on LinkedIn, Twitter. Comments below, join my office hours, and uh, you can be sure we'll be happy to talk about it there or on another episode of Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Take care, Alan. Take care, Mark. Appreciate your insights today. Well, thanks for your thoughts as well.